as our reader comes up, thank you, who's right behind me. I just want to invite you for the for the words of Isaiah, which is just one verse. Just let it rest on your heart. This is a, a very familiar verse, and it's I think it's so beautiful. And for Romans, just particularly the first line of Romans, if you'll listen to that as Karen reads. Thank you, Karen. The first reading is Romans 8, verses 1 through 11. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and to deal with sin, he confirmed sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through his Spirit that dwells in you. The second reading is from Isaiah 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Holy wisdom, holy word. So when Pastor Brad, I don't know if you know this, he planned out nine months of, of sermons. It's kind of phenomenal. Uh, he planned out an entire liturgical year to study Jesus. And, um, and he gave me this packet um, where I had already been assigned sermons, you know, throughout the year. He designed the date and the title and the, the topic, which was actually kind of overwhelming. I'm still going to be here in March. Oh, I'm really so grateful. You know, and I kind of got overwhelmed by it. But then I thought, oh, this means I have to start all over because I had already been preparing my sermons for fall. And the one he gave me for this month was originally just called Jesus, a perspective. <laughs> and I just I said, okay, Brad, that's, you're not quite giving me enough there. I've got to have something a little more specific. So I inserted the word a personal. 
perspective because he was inviting me to share a little bit more of my personal journey, my spiritual journey, and my understanding of Jesus and his meaning for me. So the word personal felt right, but sharing all of that didn't feel right. This is very uncomfortable for me. So I want you to hold me in prayer today because this is definitely my growing edge, and that's, I'm sure, why Brad asked me to do it. Um, So my earliest memories of Sunday school uh, are probably from when I was about four or maybe five, and we had stickers that we were supposed to paste. We had a little page with square blocks, and we were supposed to paste the stickers, you know, and I'm pretty sure I I didn't do that great of a job, Um, but I remember that. I'm sure those were scenes from the Bible. And just like Brad spoke about actually a few weeks ago when he was introducing this series, and just like most of us who grew up in the United States in the last part of, or the last half of last century, I grew up with the European Jesus, you know, and where's our, oh, let's see. We have a wonderful first slide actually too, which is a baby saying, how big is your Jesus? Got our slides up? Maybe not. Well, Wally's working on that. So, so yeah, I grew up with the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, and I loved Jesus, so I loved looking at those pictures. There he was holding the lamb, and there he was asking the children to come. And I just didn't think about it too much at the time. Um, when I was By the time I was about 10, I didn't go to Sunday school anymore, and I felt very mature sitting with the adults. And our, our um, pastor, Reverend Melvin Wheatley, this was in Los Angeles at the Westwood United Methodist Church, And he always began his sermons with a joke, and I always knowingly laughed. Looking back, I'm pretty sure that the jokes, as well as his sermons, right over my head, but I felt very mature laughing and sitting with the adults. And then, um, let's see, should I give you guys a minute? Because I want to see if we can get the Mishka the Bear up. When I was about 12 or so, I was in the Christmas play as a bear. Yeah, Mishka. Well, we'll see if we can get the slides up. But so uh, the bear head rested right here on my shoulders, and it was about yay high. And I'm pretty sure my stepdad uh, had something to do with the wire construction of the head. And I could just see through the nose. It was about at eye level. There was black mesh covering the nose. And during the play, I had to scratch my ears, kind of like, you know, I was puzzled. So I had to go, you know, way up there. But that was a lot of fun. Oh, I wish we could get Mishka. Oh, there he is. There's Mishka. Well, that's me, but that's I'm inside there. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. And then by the time I was, oh, and I met my first mentor at this church. Um, I was about 14 or so, and his name was David DeBus, and he was doing his alternative service for the draft. He was a conscientious objector, which was not easy to get that status. Um, This was not a frivolous thing on his part, but he caught some flack for it. He was also a vegetarian, and he meditated, and he did Tai Chi. And, okay, this was California, but I want to ask you, is your Jesus big enough for this pacifist vegetarian who meditated and was a devout follower of Christ? He made a big impact on me. He spoke to me as if I was really there and as if he could really see me and I could really see him. And this is a special kind of being with somebody that I'll talk a little bit more about next month. But it made an impact on me. And then by the time I was about 15 or so, I left the church. 
And I, when I first wrote this sermon, it was about a half hour long, so I had to cut a lot. And some of what I cut is really about when our youth leave the church, we should not judge parents or children. We should just follow them, like the woman searching for her lost coin. Sometimes they're leading us to a new church. Sometimes they just need to be brought back. But I can't go into all of that. I'll just say that when I left the church, it was... I think due to a number of reasons. And part of them were bad things that were happening that were making me feel as if I wasn't really worthy of Christ's love. And I don't think I understood that at the time. I understand it now. Um, But even after I left the church, I was still looking, still seeking for the church. And so I studied Buddhism, and I studied the Tao, and I studied even a little bit of Hinduism, And I studied Zen, Um, I studied energy healing and chakra cleansing, I studied macrobiotics and herbology and acupuncture, and okay, you get the idea. Did I find the church in any of these places? Well, yes and no, I would say. Yes, every time I found a person truly seeking to heal the world. Yes, every time I found a community truly seeking new pathways to peace. And emphatically no every time I found somebody or some group exploiting another tradition or another spiritual tradition or another culture. Um, So then in my 20s, I found Martin Buber, uh, who some of you may know is a Jewish philosopher. He loved Jesus, wonderful man, amazing thinker. And I asked uh, Sabrina to put one of his books in the library. So the I Thou foundational book that he wrote is is out there if you want to pick that up. But he talked about um, Jewish mysticism and Lurianic Kabbalah and the Baal Shem Tov and a lot of things I can't go deeply into here, but they, they caught me up because this was a community deeply mystical. And for those of you who know me, I am first and foremost a mystic. I get swept away. And these rabbis would sing songs of their longing for God and their devotion to God and their longing to be reunited with the divine that really, really spoke to me. So I felt maybe this was my spiritual home. Maybe this was where I belonged. Um, My church in Los Angeles was a wonderful place, but it was fairly intellectual and it wasn't terribly emotional or expressive. Um, which isn't uncommon in, you know, mostly white, mostly middle-class churches. But there was something else I needed, something that needed to be fed. Um, and during this time, and don't, I haven't forgotten that this sermon's about Jesus, but I think it's important for you to understand this part of my journey. Um, I met so many beautiful people, like Reb Shlomo Karlbach, who could sing a nigun, which is a chant of a longing for God, and he would pull us all into a circle, and, oh, I can't even tell you the love in that room. Um, And I cried the first time I held the Torah, which is the scroll of the first five books of the Bible. Um, So in my journey, I encountered part of what I feel is the depth and the heart of Jewish faith, and I think God used that time to good purpose. I think that my love for Jesus was enriched and more deeply informed because of what I learned. Um, If I had never stepped foot in a temple, I don't think I would be able to picture Jesus so well in the temple preaching to the elders. If I had never learned the morning prayers, 
which, by the way, the Modeani is still part of our liturgy, even our Christian liturgy, goes like this. Modeani lafanecha melcha vekayam. And Raba Imunatecha means how great is thy faithfulness. Recognize that? That was my grandmother's favorite hymn. Jesus probably said that every morning. And it means, God, thank you for returning my soul to my body. Raba, but I bet you Jesus said, Abba, Father, Father, thank you for returning my soul to me. These are the jewels from Judaism that I bring to my love of Jesus. Uh, If I had never broken bread on Shabbat, maybe I couldn't picture so well Jesus breaking bread and sharing it with anybody who would come. And I think it's kind of wonderful that he came to me when I was still fairly Jewish in my identity because that makes me feel closer not just to Jesus but to his initial followers who were Jewish and who had to struggle in coming to understand who he was, what he meant to them. And that, too, has been a very rich part of my journey. So is your Jesus big enough for this? We say, oh, Jesus was Jewish, but I'm not sure we really know what that means. Uh, By the time we get to the book of John... You can barely recognize Jesus as a Jew. So for you Johannine scholars, and I love that book, don't get me wrong, but can you reach back to the book of Mark and remember Jesus was a rabbi? Yeah. I love, I love this head of Christ by Rembrandt. And here's another interesting part of my journey. It was only after I left the church that I learned about the black Madonnas. Do any of you know about this? I bet some of you do. I bet some of you do. This was through an African-American friend of mine who had grown up Catholic, been deeply wounded by the church, and then doing his own research had come upon these amazing religious icons. Can you go to the next? Yeah. So this one, um, I don't know whether to say that's on the left or the right. All right, the one on this side is from the Notre Dame de Puy Cathedral in France, and it was donated. It's a copy of the original. But it was donated by James I of Aragon, who had just come back from a journey to the Holy Land, bringing this with him. So that would have been about the 13th century. The middle one is from uh, Poland, and it's from about the 6th century, as is the other one with the stars. So what do you think of these? I think they're beautiful. We don't see this very often. This fresco of Christ um, is from a monastery built in the 6th century by Assyrian monks, and the the history there is amazingly rich, but we don't have time to go into it. But all of the frescoes in that monastery show Jesus and his followers and all the figures of the Bible with dark skin and what we would probably call Middle Eastern features, which, which of course is historically accurate. You don't see that very often, at least not in my journeys. Okay, we're going to fast forward now. To about five years ago when I entered seminary. And it was there that I learned for the first time. And again, I feel kind of stupid because probably some of you know this. You who have traveled know certainly that all over the world, and we can go to the next slide, um, Jim, people are doing works of art that depict Jesus like one of them, like one of us. So there are Chinese Jesuses and Indian Jesuses and 
at first i think i was a little bit astounded by this i it had not occurred to me that if i were in china i probably wouldn't want to see a blonde haired blue eyed jesus on the wall in my church if we are made in god's image all of us and jesus came as god's son this makes perfect sense that we should all be able to see our own faces reflected in the love that jesus has for us um regardless of what we look like, how much we've eaten that day, what kind of clothes we're wearing. Isn't this one beautiful? That, to me, that evokes qualities of Jesus. Compassion, intimacy, spirit-filled, tenderness. Yeah. And I get that this is just about the outside. I do get that. Because, of course, where Jesus meets us in the most powerful place Jesus meets us is in our heart of hearts, within us, in our soul, in those places that need to be lifted and healed. So there's a story here. This is the last image that I'll share, but it's a very powerful story. And some of you may know about the Dalit, who in India, they're not even considered a caste. So they're not even a low caste. They're not a caste. They're below the lowest of the low. And therefore, they have no social or political protections of any kind, and they, they endure terrible violence, particularly their women. And so this is someone's rendering of Mary as a Dalit woman. That is so powerful to me. And, and this is the message, of course, that Jesus brought when he communed with Mary Magdalene that Brad talked about just a few weeks ago when he talked about us all being reclamation projects. Uh, when, when Jesus communes with even the least of us, with especially the least of us, not just the least of us as a person, but the least part of us within us, the part we are most wounded or most afraid, or maybe our sin is pride, whatever that part of us is that needs to be healed. That's where Jesus lifts us up. That's the message he came to tell us about. And that's why we have the text from Isaiah today. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I have called you all by name. All of you, each one of you, and all of you, every part of you, to be made whole again and holy. And that is also what that first line from Romans 8, chapter uh, 1, that's what that means. It doesn't mean we can do no wrong. It means that all of us, all of who we are, even the parts we ourselves have condemned, can be reclaimed by Jesus and made whole. Now, I wasn't happy with my ending to the sermon, so I rewrote it at 7 o'clock this morning. And so I thought, well, we started with the Dianu, let's end with the Dianu. But this is about the Christian part of the journey. And I want you to say the Dianu with me, so I'll signal. And you want to, let's stand up. Let's stand up, because we're praising right now. This is praising. If God had just sent his son to live among us, it would have been enough. Dayenu. But he sent his son to live among us and teach us and love us. Praise God. Praise God. 
If Jesus had just walked among us and taught us and loved us, it would have been enough. Dainu. But he walked upon the water and fed the 5,000 and countless other miracles. Praise the Lord. If Jesus had just walked among us and performed miracles, it would have been enough. Dainu. But he gave us his life on the cross. If Jesus had just given us his life, it would have been enough. Dainu. But he rose again to show us life everlasting. Praise the Lord. If Jesus had just risen from the cross to show us life after everlasting, it would have been enough. Dainu. But he sent Holy Spirit to continue his work on earth, even here, even now, in each of us and throughout the world. Praise the Lord. Amen.